Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 195, How to Love Where You Live. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. As you may know, for the month of August, I am re-airing some of my very favorite episodes of the show, and this episode from the archives is an absolute gem. It was originally titled Three Strategies to Find Joy After a Move, but as I re-listened to it, I realized that it is about so much more than that. My guest, Jessica Dahlquist, shares how to feel more at home where you live and how to reach out to others to make meaningful friendships. Jessica is a genius at connecting with others and building lifelong friendships, and I know you will be inspired to make simple changes in your life that will help you to bloom where you're planted. So whether COVID made you take the leap and move somewhere new, or you've lived in the same area for 10 years, this episode has takeaways for you. And by way of introduction, Jessica Dahlquist is a mother of four, and she's a fellow podcaster. In fact, her show, The Extraordinary Moms Podcast, was one of the first motherhood-focused podcasts that I ever listened to almost six years ago. She now has over 350 episodes, with each featuring an amazing mother telling her story, and I'm honored to turn the tables and spotlight her here on our show today. Before we jump into the episode, I have a couple of announcements. First, do you ever feel burned out by motherhood or feel like it isn't living up to the romanticized expectations you had before becoming a mom? I have been there. I always dreamed of being a mom and creating all sorts of magical moments with my kids. And then I actually had kids and it was not anything like my dreams. It was way more challenging than I ever could have imagined. And then I felt guilty about not loving every moment of it. So it was a vicious cycle that caused me to feel a lot of shame. If you've ever felt this way, I invite you to sign up for my new mini course all about how to love motherhood as much as you love your children. In this free week-long email course, you will receive short daily lessons that should take no longer than five to 10 minutes to complete, and that I hope will help you to completely transform your perspective on motherhood. To sign up, go to 3in30podcast.com learn, and I will put that link in the show notes. Next up, I want to thank our sponsors who make this podcast possible and who truly support the work and vision of 3in30. First, we have Befitting, an online retailer of premium prescription eyewear. Is anyone in your family in need of glasses for the back-to-school season? Befitting has a great selection of prescription and non-prescription glasses for the whole family, including blue light glasses to help protect your eyes or your kids' eyes from the glare of computer screens and phone screens. 
I especially love the variety of color styles and materials for their children's glasses. When I was young, we really only had bland wireframe options, and so I love to see the variety. It seems like such a fun way for children to express themselves, especially during this adjustment of wearing glasses. I know I would have loved to have these options when I started wearing glasses as an insecure sixth grader. To see the selection of glasses available and try out Befitting's cutting-edge technology that allows you to virtually try on glasses before you purchase them, go to befitting.com, that's B-E-F-I-T-T-I-N-G.com, and use the code 3in30OFFER for 20% off site-wide plus free shipping. That's 3in30OFFER for 20% off. Our second sponsor is Jane.com, an online boutique marketplace for the best in women's clothing and accessories, home decor, and children's clothing and toys. Really, it has everything, but it's all curated to be good quality and aligned with the latest trends, which is good for someone like me who has a hard time keeping on top of all of that. (laughs) Jane offers over 400 exciting daily deals from stylish brands, designer labels, and small boutiques. It's a place that brings together the best of affordable style to one easy-to-navigate site. They also have a top-rated app that's perfect for busy moms. If you're on an end-of-the-summer road trip with your family and you suddenly remember that you need backpacks for back to school, you can simply open the Jane app and navigate through it wherever you are. There's a super easy search function to enter what you're looking for and see if they have any deals going on for that item at that time. If you're interested in checking out what Jane.com has to offer, they actually helped me create a curated shop page, especially for 3 and 30 listeners, with some of my favorite items displayed. You can see the deals I handpicked for you at Jane.com slash 3 and 30. That's Jane.com slash 3 and 30. And now onto the show. This is How to Love Where You Live with Jessica Dahlquist. Here we go. Rachel, I'm like sweating over here. It's so much harder to be a guest. (laughs) (laughs) I know it is. It's so fun to have you here. Oh, I'm just so thrilled to be here. I have been loving 3 and 30. I've been listening to so many of them and you're just doing a great job. So thanks for giving me more to listen to. Well, thanks for inspiring me. And I know I've heard other mom podcasters say that your show is one of the first that they listen to as well. So I think you're inspiring a lot of us to get going with these mom podcasts. I hope so. I think there can just never be too many of them. I love it. Yeah. So um, Jessica actually interviewed me on her show recently, and when I talked, I invited her to come on my show, and we were discussing some different ideas for topics, just throwing throwing around some different ideas, and she mentioned this one about moving, and I was really intrigued. That topic had never come to my mind, but then... I'm like, wow, that that is so important and so needed. So Jessica, I assume that you wouldn't just suggest that topic out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> you must have some experience with moving a lot. So tell us about that. Okay. So I will tell you that for the first 23 years of my life, I lived in the same place. So I grew up in San Diego, California and never moved, went to college in San Diego, I just, I love roots. I love familiarity. I never pictured Mm. myself moving around. Like I just love being near family. I, I just never pictured it. And so to my surprise, when I got married at the ripe old age of 23, we started quite an adventure. My husband and I of moving around, he still had his undergraduate to finish. He went on to law school and then began, you know, moving around for careers. And now he's in the military. So that resulted in seven moves 
in 10 years. Wow. And, and that's not just like seven moves, like we moved, oh, to the next apartment down the road or something. No, each time, sometimes we duplicated place. We moved back to San Diego three different times in those, but they were always from a different state. Wow. And so it's been a lot of moving and I cannot say that I have enjoyed every aspect of it, but I will say I have learned so much about moving well. There is a big wide world out there. So even if you're a person that loves roots, that, you know, is sad about moving, doesn't like change, things like that, that is me. But I will tell you that there's a few things that I have learned to make the most of a move and to really embrace and enjoy the moves and see the positive in it, as well as, you know, being kind of bummed out sometimes that that a move is imminent. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of experience being here and there and everywhere. Um, and where are you now? You're Are you back in California again? Yeah. So we live in Camarillo, just north of Los Angeles right now. Okay. And another move is is on the horizon no. for us. And I don't really know the timeline. And we're in a phase of waiting again. I cannot believe we're here again. But you know, I'm able to handle it a little bit better because of all these prior moves and the things I've learned and the choices that I've made. So that's kind of what we're going to chat about today. So it's perfect timing to remind myself of all of these yeah. good things. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is a great summer episode for us to air because I do feel like a lot of families move in the summer. Um, I've actually had quite a bit of experience moving, not as much as you, but um, we just moved to our new home here a year ago in the summer. And it takes a little while to adjust. It can take even a year or two to adjust to a new place. And so I hope that your your tips can make it a little faster and easier for families to adjust. So let's just start with your first one. What's your first takeaway for helping your family, you, your kids, your spouse, everyone adjust to a move? Okay, so my first tip is decide ahead of time you're going to be happy. When we moved to Virginia, we had previously been living in San Diego. My husband had just joined the military. He had left us for five months to go to training. So I solo parented for five months. I was just not in a good space mentally. Let's just say that. And then I was going to be uprooted from the life that I loved to move to Virginia. What on earth? And I had not decided ahead of time. I was going to like it. I was going to make friends. I was going to be happy. Good things were ahead. I just I hadn't made that intention. Mm. And so for about... Two months of that first two months of living there, I was just grumpy and resentful and it it didn't help anybody. It did not help anybody, including myself. And so after about two months of being in the funk, I realized like, okay, you've got to help yourself. Nobody else is going to come to your rescue. You're not moving back. Why are you holding yourself back from living? And so once I decided to be happy, then I was able to go forth and sure enough, there's a big wide world out there. There's people to meet, experiences to be had. And there's a lot of great things about every place you can live. Mm. And so once I started approaching each move with, you know, what new places can we visit? There's new restaurants to experience and being excited about those things. The things I was leaving behind, I could look back on fondly instead of being resentful that I couldn't keep them in my pocket, you know, and take them with me and have them forever. Um, And also during that time, I realized I was not expressing any positivity to my kids and they were picking up on it. They missed their old friends too. They missed the old park. They wanted to go visit, visit Grammy and Papa. 
gosh, I was not modeling a hopeful, helpful attitude for them. And once I was able to to model that better for them, sure enough, they started making friends. They were being more outgoing. They were happy and loving our new home and just the uniqueness of living in Virginia. Yeah. So decide ahead of time you're going to be happy. Yeah, I love that. I, I heard on a podcast recently um, a woman was – I think they were also in the military and they were in Japan and had lived there for many years and loved it. And then they got stationed or sent to an area like some small podunk town in the U S and they were going to have to leave all their friends and the culture and the life that they loved in Japan. But she just kept saying what a great experience it was going to be and how much they were going to love it. And one of her friends said, you can't actually believe that. Like, why do you keep saying that? And she said, they're words of faith, not of fact. There you go. Exactly. And I love that. Like, say words of faith, and even if it's not a fact, um, and just decide that you're going to love it and be happy about it. And I've also heard life coaches say, um, what you what you decide, you see. You know, so if you decide that the town that you're moving to is horrible and that the people are backward and no one's friendly and then you will find that and you'll see that. But if you decide that the people are great and friendly and there's lots of cool opportunities, then you'll see that. I could not agree more. Yeah, that's been my experience as well. How do you do this? Like, do you have any practical tips for, well, it sounds like the best thing to do is to decide ahead of time before you even move. But let's say you're already there and you're already, you realize that you're kind of miserable, you're being miserable and you need to change your attitude. How do you do that? Is it as simple as just saying, snap out of it, get over it and be happy? Or how do you shift that mindset for yourself? Well, I think it's important to acknowledge any feelings that you're feeling. It's fine to be sad about moving. It's fine to miss your friends. It's fine to miss your old life. But it's also okay to embrace a new life and new people and new friends. Like there's enough space and capacity in your body and in your world and in your lifespan for all of it. So acknowledge and, and grieve the loss of that old life and embrace the new one. And it kind of goes into my next takeaway if you want me to just kind of go into that. Yes. Be the friend you want and create the invitation you want to receive. And so part of what's really, really hard about moving is you feel like nobody even knows you exist. So the weekend that we moved to Camarillo, this last move, it was New Year's weekend and we all got the flu. Every last one of us got oh. the Europe flu and it was miserable. And the worst feeling above the throwing up and holding a vomiting baby was Nobody even knew we existed. So I didn't even have anybody to call to say, hey, could you go pick me up some Gatorade? Or, you know, can you run so-and-so to the doctor? Whatever it was. Nobody even knew I was here and holed up in my little house. And mm -hmm. that was a really sad feeling. And so as soon as we were better, yes, I was happy to be back in California. So it was an easier move logistically than Virginia was. However, I was still out of my element. Still nobody knew I existed. But I knew that I needed to at least feel known. And there, there's something so positive and there's positive momentum in feeling acknowledged and known. And so as soon as I was better, I always – so this was in January – I always do this activity in February called the Hardy Party, and I do it over Valentine's week at some point, and I do a little brunch, and that first year, 
I didn't know a soul. And so I found somebody at church that kind of looked like we had kids the same age and looks like we could probably be friends. She ended up being the best. I love her to death and she's still one of my best friends. And I said, Annie, I really want to host this thing at my house. Will you make the invite list for me? Because chances are your friends can be my friends. And she's like, yeah, sure. 30 people. 30 people. Wow. I did not know. (laughs) And so people would come to the door and I'd say, hi, I'm Jessica. Nice to meet you. And they came in. And you know what? Some of those are my very dearest friends now because I didn't wait for somebody to come knock on my door. I didn't wait for somebody to figure out that I had kids their same age. I was proactive in seeking out the moms that looked like we might have something in common or kids the same age or also they play soccer or whatever it was. Or at the very least, who doesn't want to be invited to a mother's brunch over Valentine's Day? It was Mm -hmm. so fun and unifying and people were shocked that I was that open you know, to 30 people in my house. But yeah, people sat on the floor. Yeah, it was like really casual food. I'm not a fancy party thrower, but I don't mind having people in my home. I'm happy to open that door and create a space where we can um, just chat and be casual. And um, so I think in thinking positively, the vibes you get from from a good conversation at the park with a mom or um, having people in your home, even if you don't know them very well in the very beginning, it can really just light you up. And mm-hmm. when you think of it in terms of you do not know, maybe somebody walking through that door had been really lonely. Maybe they, they are self-conscious about opening up their door, inviting people in. Maybe they were waiting for that invitation. I can do that. I can do that for somebody. And and I hope that, you know, if you don't have those kind of insecurities about being hospitable, open your door, open your door, and you'll be amazing, the light that walks inside. Yeah. Oh, that was so brave of you, but it also totally fits with your personality, I think, and a skill and talent that you've honed. I'm sure that hasn't always been natural for you, but you've learned how to talk to people and to open up your home and your heart to them. Um, I also love your tactic there of kind of eliciting help from your friend. Um, Because if you had just said, hi, I'm the new girl and I want to throw this party. First of all, you might've felt kind of silly. And second of all, maybe people wouldn't have come because they wouldn't have known anything about you or, but when you said to that other girl that you kind of knew, will you help me? Will you make the invite list? Will you help me get the word out? then that makes it less scary for you and even for the guests because they're like, well, Annie will be there. Like, that's comfortable. (laughs) And we like Annie, so we'll probably like her new friend. So it kind of creates a bridge somewhat. I think that's so smart to, to get help from somebody who is comfortable there. Totally. Absolutely. And I think when we move, oftentimes we're so focused on our kids and teach, making sure that our kids have the social skills and have, we role play with them. You know, if you see so-and-so at the park, like how can you reach out to them? Say, my name is Johnny. And, oh, do you like to play soccer? Do you want to play with me? We do this game and this, and we set this intention for our kids. But how often are we just isolated on a bench at the park ourselves when there's seven other moms chatting with each other or not? Maybe they're by themselves too, but we're really doing our kids a disservice when we are only giving them lip service on how to make friends, but they're not seeing us do it. Just a quick story. We were at Chick-fil-A the other day, um, my almost three-year-old and I, and I sent him into the 
play air through the class and he's waving and he said, oh, there's a friend for you. And I sent him in. So then he comes out and he looks around Chick-fil-A and he says, mom, there's a mom over there. Go say hi. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, there's a friend for you, friend mom. For you. I have a friend. You have a friend. But it really just really served as a reminder. Like, yeah, we too have to get out of our comfort zone in the same way we want to empower our kids to have those social skills and get them out of their comfort zones and step up and step out. We need to do the same thing and we can't expect people to just flock to us. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an episode on my podcast with Brooke Romney called How to Be a Friend Instead of Just Being Friendly. Yes, I love that one. And she has so many specific ideas for this topic. So if people are listening to this and they're intrigued or they're thinking, I'm not naturally good at this. How do I do this? I want more. I would definitely encourage people to go listen to that entire episode about friendshiping. Um which I think is a skill and it's something that you can get better at. And it's so important as well. Yeah. So have you ever had an experience where it flopped, where you, where you threw a party and nobody came or you tried to talk to a mom and she wasn't interested and you felt embarrassed? No, never. That is because people just naturally want friends right? Mm -hmm. And so I will say there's safety in numbers. So even though it might seem like, oh my gosh, 30 people at my house, that seems like crazy. And you call me brave, but like, really that is my, like my safety net because they all had each other. A lot of them knew each other. So they could, you know, break off in their little groups and I could interject myself. I actually feel better on my own turf than I do walking into a party of 30. I'm actually quite, quite introverted. Um, but I love having control over, you know, inserting myself in a conversation that's already existing or, um, you know, if, if I don't have a place to plug myself in, I can reload the napkins or <laughs> whatever. Yes. Keep yourself busy. Yes. And another thing I love to do is once I identify people that I really want to get to know better, I think I can learn from them. I think we could be friends. I think they could use a friend, whatever it is. I do one-on-one or one-on-two lunches where I have them over at lunchtime. They can bring their kids, their kids can play, whatever. Super casual. Um, I usually have like the same menu because I mix up the people all the time. So, you know, chicken salad sandwiches on croissants or, um, you know, Euro pita sandwiches or whatever. And people love being fed, A, always good. So then that can never flop if you're offering somebody food. And, and then I just get to know them better. And if you are nervous about making small talk or speaking to people, you know, think of questions ahead of time that you would want people to ask you um, and then ask those of them. People love talking about themselves. And so it really, I mean, some people are like a little bit more socially awkward or more introverted, but that's, that's fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But they can feel like have a role in your life and play some component in in your daily interactions at the very least they feel seen you feel seen and you have somebody to say hi to even just a hi at passing it you know carpool or drop off or whatever that feels like something when you've just moved to a new area yeah definitely and I do think being brave or being vulnerable inviting them to your home um I think vulnerability in general it can be helpful um just admitting that you're lonely or that you need a friend, that can be so hard because you feel so like pathetic and almost desperate, you know? But I recently was texting with a mom from my daughter's preschool and I've like talked to her a few times and I really like her and I'd like to get to know her better. 
and she was inviting Sally over to play. And I couldn't tell if she wanted me to come too, or if she just wanted me to drop Sally off. And so I just said straight out, I'm like, well, I would love to chat with you. I need more mom friends in my life. And I felt kind of lame saying that, but she was like, oh, awesome. Please come. Like we can go to the park or something. And it was a great conversation. And I think that deepened that friendship a little bit. So sometimes just saying out loud to someone, I could use a friend. Do you want to go out to lunch or whatever can be helpful, I think. Totally, totally. And just in the same way that like, I don't mind having people over to my house, you might. And so like, what do you like to do? Like what offering can you do? Can you buy popsicles at the store and say, everybody in the class, let's meet after school on a Friday afternoon to celebrate the end of school and I'll bring popsicles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's rallying everybody. Um, and it doesn't put you on super display. Maybe you're really good at knitting or maybe you're really good at book clubs or whatever, but whatever you're good at, whatever that looks like for you, create that invitation for other people who also might appreciate that. Um, And it doesn't need to look the same. So it could be a hearty party. It could be a book club. It could be a learning circle through power of moms, or it could be park play dates. Yeah. Just be the organizer and create that invitation. Yeah. I love that. And then what is your third takeaway? My third takeaway is incorporate the familiar in your new surroundings. And what I mean by that is my husband is kind of well known for whenever he moves to a new place, he gets rid of all the old gear, like sports, athletic team gear, except for Michigan. We're diehard Michigan people forever and ever. But <laughs> other than that, we adopt the, the community sports of where we're, wherever we're living. And that's just a really good way to invest in the community of where we are. So we're a sports-minded family. We really love that. But then no matter where we go, we always have a way to plug into the community. So sports are familiar, but we have a new team and we get a new shirt. We get a new hat. And now we're Dodgers people. And who knew? Who would have (laughs) ever known? You know? But it's so fun. Um, Also, making sure that you're hanging up pictures, the the familiar things in your home, familiar toys for your kids, pictures that you love, art that you love, um, getting things organized in a way in your home sooner rather than later so that it really feels like your space. Yes, it might be a different house. Mm -hmm. Yes, it might be a different state, but it feels like home. My grandmother and grandfather just moved into an assisted living home and they moved out of their home after 45 years. And it was really emotional. And there was a lot of grieving that took place, leaving the home they once knew and moving into a new, smaller space. And for many months, they said it didn't feel like home. It felt like a hotel room. It felt like they were kind of on vacation. And they were eating at the dining room and they weren't cooking anymore. And then one day, I just said, maybe you need to make banana bread. Because banana bread or bread pudding, yeah, that's yeah, that's what it was. Bread pudding, that was the thing they always used to make, you know, during football season, pumpkin pies on game days. And she wasn't cooking anymore. She had no need to do that. However, it kept them from feeling really at home. And so, mm-hmm. sure enough, she got the ingredients and she made that in their little new kitchen. And yes, it felt a little foreign, and she didn't know where all the bowls were where they had all been put away. But as they sat in their recliners eating that familiar food in that new space, she did comment to me, oh my gosh, 
it like felt like us again. It felt like home again. And there's certainly a loss that happened moving from that old life to this new one. And there's things I'll miss. But I've really been thinking a lot about these, actually all three of these takeaways from really helping transition into a new space in a new season with positivity and joy and bringing in aspects of your old life to keep keep the familiar into it, you know? Mm-hmm, definitely. I, Jessica, I think that is brilliant. The idea to incorporate a food um, that they're familiar with. I, another episode that I love from early, early on is um, episode seven on my show that's creating a peaceful home. Mm. And the guest talked about using your five senses to create a peaceful home. So to think through how you want your house to smell, how you want it to sound, how you want it to look all the, you know, all the five senses. And as you were talking about that food, I was like, oh, that you could use the five senses to make your home feel familiar again. So whatever music you love to listen to, continue to listen to that. The foods you love to eat, continue to bring those in, you know, to help your family adjust, especially when I feel like uh, an adjustment might be sad or, Mm-hmm. You know, like moving into assisted living, that's kind of a sad one, but bringing back that comfort of, oh, we're still the same people. We still have our traditions and the things that matter to us through this comfort food or this tradition that they shared with all of you. So I think that is so smart. And I'd never thought of that until this discussion that just crossed my mind. Well, yeah. And you may already be doing some of these things, but yeah, it's great to bring it to awareness. Like, oh yeah, that really worked. That really helped. And I will say mm-hmm. too, when we moved to Virginia and I was kind of resentful, well, a lot resentful, um, we started doing these Sunday night dinners. We noticed that at work, there was a lot of single military people who were not getting home cooked meals that didn't really have a place on Sunday evenings and things. Mm. So we started doing five o'clock Sunday night dinners. These are like young people who don't eat dinner at five o'clock. Like they might be like waking up at five yeah. <laughs> but we had 10 to 15 people at our homes almost every single Sunday night eating just whatever. And they would bring like packages of Oreos and, you know, bags of chips and stuff. And I'd have like the main dish and everyone else would just kind of bring random stuff. But nobody cared what it was. It was just the fact that it was a home and a space that just felt family centered and everything. And they loved it. They didn't have kids, but they would do Nerf gun wars with my kids and everything. And and so by implementing something like that, it really, yes, we were a li- our little family out in Virginia with nobody else around us, but we created a family around us and it made it feel more homey and familiar. And now wherever we go, I have another friend that's in the military and she does waffle Sunday nights and she knows it's a standing invitation because waffles are easy to mass produce anywhere you go, anytime it's waffle night at their house, you're welcome. Hmm. And I love that. They're just known yeah. for that. And so what, are, what is the familiar thing that you can be known for that can bring you that sense of kind of contentment and, I don't know, just peace and the warm and fuzzies, whatever that looks like for you, try and cultivate that. And whether it's somewhere you've lived for a long time, you can you can re- reinvigorate, you know, living in the same place, but renewing that sense of excitement, even if you're in the same place, but definitely after you move. Yeah. And honestly, all three of these takeaways, now that you mentioned that, even if you've lived somewhere for 10 years and you just feel like you're kind of miserable and you don't love it where you live, like take these three takeaways 
and apply them to kind of creating a new life for yourself there, turning over a new leaf and finding happiness where you are. If you're in a new season of life, maybe you're in the baby phase and you suddenly realize, I don't have any mom friends. I don't talk to adults all day. Create the invitation you would want to receive. If you are you know, in a new job, how to create that culture in your new work environment. It can be in these different seasons, but anytime you're faced with like a new environment, whether it's a big move or not, all of these same thing, three things apply. So tell us, remind us what those takeaways are. The three things are... Decide ahead of time you're going to be happy. Two, be the friend you want and create the invitation that you would want to receive. And three, incorporate the familiar in your new surroundings. I love this, Jessica. I can tell that you have a natural heart for people and for service. And just those little examples you gave about like instituting the family dinner for all the people who didn't have families. And like, you just have the ability to turn outward. And that's probably why you found happiness in these different places where you've lived. I so admire that. And I appreciate you sharing some of these strategies with us today. Thank you. I mean, I hope it's been helpful to the other people that I've reached out to and that have been in our home, but I have no doubt that really it's been quite selfish and (laughs) has really served me so well. And so I'm glad that it can be beneficial for everyone else too, but I just feel so much happier when I do these things. Yeah. Well, before we end, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your, your show, your podcast and its purpose. Oh, sure. I love podcasting. It's so fun, isn't it, Rachel? Oh, it's just the best. It is. So I have the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I started that um, a little over two years ago. Now we have over 200 episodes where I interview moms where they share their motherhood journeys and the lessons they've learned along the way. And it has been so cool because I really did start with my inner circle of incredible moms sharing their stories. And I just never want moms to feel like, they, that everyone else has it all together and they're the one failing or they're the one struggling or they're the one, the only one not enjoying sweeping for the 17th time during the day. Mm. You are not alone. And I knew that I wanted to hear other mothers that maybe looked like they had it all together, but I wanted to hear from what they've learned from their challenges. I want to learn from other moms' perspective and wisdom. And so I'm really getting as much out of these conversations as I hope other people are, but If you check out the Extraordinary Moms podcast on iTunes or any of the podcast apps or on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com, you'll find interviews with extraordinary women telling their stories. You don't have to be a mom to listen either. It's just really extraordinary women talking about the lesson that they've learned throughout their lives. And um, it's just been such a joy and it's been so enriching to to hear from these extraordinary women and to widen my circle and my perspective as I've talked with so many women now. Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning, I'm glad that we got to turn the tables and hear from you today because you really are extraordinary. I've followed you for a while. I've talked to you multiple times and there's things that I didn't know about you that I learned in this interview that I'm just so impressed with. So you are extraordinary and you're so wise and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Oh, Rachel, that's so nice of you to say. It's my pleasure. And people definitely need to check about your episode. Um, that is, let's see, what episode number is it? 234. So if people want to check that out on my podcast, um, they can hear more about your motherhood journey because you are truly extraordinary. Thank you so much for having me today. 
Are you as amazed as I am that so many little golden nuggets fit into every 30-minute episode? Even beyond the three takeaways, I feel like there are always little stories and tactics shared that resonate with me, and I hope you feel as uplifted as I do after listening to this episode with Jessica. If you are looking for even more encouragement in your motherhood, I invite you to sign up for my new email mini course called How to Love Your Motherhood As Much As You Love Your Children. Just visit 3in30podcast.com slash learn to sign up. And as always, I'm rooting for you. I hope you're learning to create joy wherever you're living, and I hope you have a magical week with your family. Hey, I'm Lizzie Mathis, the host of the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. I'm excited to give you a behind-the-scenes, real-talk combo between some of the most influential and tastemaker mamas I know. Subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't ever miss a beat. See you there.